today. No, we're delighted you're worshiping with us. Hope you'll take time to tear off the side of your bulletin there that uh, requests some information from you. We'd love to know more about you and have an opportunity to tell you more about who we are here at Northside. I know we got a lot of folks with family in town for Thanksgiving. We want to welcome you today as well. We're delighted that you're worshiping together with your family today and I uh, hope you make yourself feel very much at home here today. Uh, let's take a few moments to greet each other. If you see someone you don't know, go say good morning and we'll continue to worship together here in just a minute.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity for everyone to get here together. I pray that you give Pastor Brian Hill first for this message, and I'm thankful for everyone able to make it here, and I pray for his safety as they head back home. Amen.
seat with me. Let's see. Matthew, will you come here and help me? He's graduated from kids' sermons, but uh, I'm going to ask him to help. You guys have a seat here. You know what this is, right? You've, you've stayed in this before. So I need you to do me a favor. Can you do me a favor and come up here and get in this sleeping bag? Don't don't fall asleep. So just get in that sleeping bag and cinch it up like it like you're supposed to there. Huh? I, I could have gotten into it, but it requires me to take shoes off and everything to fit. So go ahead and slim. You don't have to take your shoes off. That's okay. Go ahead. Slide yourself on in there. Now, guys, while he's doing that, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay? This this sleeping bag is a is a it has a story attached to it. You guys want to hear the story? I went camping one time when I was in college with a with a good friend of mine, and we were hiking on this trail that goes from. It actually goes all the way from North Georgia all the way to Maine. It's called the Appalachian Trail, and there's a lot of places on this trail where you're not allowed to sleep in a tent. Go ahead and get on in it, man. I want you cinched up in there tight. And there's places where you're not allowed to sleep in a tent. You have to sleep in a shelter that they built for you. And so the very first night that we were on this camping trip, it was going to be, we were going to be gone for like four or five days, we went into this shelter where we were supposed to sleep, and it was starting to rain a little bit. Um, and so... We got in the shelter, and we got our sleeping bags rolled out. And you know what happened when it got dark? The shelter woke up. Now, some of your parents may not sleep well tonight. That was probably the worst night's rest that I've ever gotten in my entire life because you know what woke up inside the shelter? Critters. Little four-legged critters. Lots and lots and lots of little four-legged critters. And this sleeping bag was very important to me because this sleeping bag is called a mummy sleeping bag. You know why it's called a mummy sleeping bag? Because you can get all the way in there and you can cinch this thing up. Stick your head out here where it goes. Where all that sticks out is your mouth and your nose, just like that right there. Now, you see, as it got darker, those little critters started roaming around, and you could feel them bumping into the side of the sleeping bag. And you know what? Even though I was thankful that I had a mummy bag that the only thing sticking out was my nose, I didn't sleep good that night, if you can imagine. Would you like to be in somewhere like that with just a blanket? How about just a pair of shorts and a t-shirt? Would you like to sleep somewhere like that with just shorts and a t-shirt? You want to be covered up completely, don't you? If you got to stay there, you want to be covered up completely. I want to be like in a box inside that place so they can't get to me. You can climb on out, buddy. You'll, you'll start, you'll, you'll break a sweat in there if you stay too long. I want to be clothed completely in a place like that. Last week, Pastor BJ talked about how our best righteousness, that's all of our goodness, the good stuff that we do, the, the good stuff that's pleasing to that we try to honor God with, the very best stuff we can come up with. Remember the diaper with the, with the Tootsie Roll in it? It's like a filthy rag. It's not good. But I want to tell you that there's something that God offers to do for us in Christ, and that is that he offers to clothe us in righteousness. Listen to what Isaiah 61 says. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exalt in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Just like I was in that shelter, and I wanted to be covered from head to toe. Thank you, buddy. Have a seat. I wanted to be covered from head to toe with something to protect me from all the bad and nasty stuff that was in that shelter with me. God says he wants to cover us in righteousness. And just how I wanted to be covered completely, I want to be covered completely with God's righteousness because my righteousness is not enough. My righteousness is like sleeping in a rat-filled shelter with shorts and a T-shirt on. Would you like to do that? Not at all. I want to be covered from head to toe. And God does that with his righteousness through Jesus. Let's pray together. God, thank you for, a, thank you for covering us and clothing us in righteousness, Lord. Help us, God, as we think about the armor of God, that we are to put on the breastplate of righteousness, Lord, that that covers us and protects us and guards us and shields us against those things that would seek to harm us. Lord, help us every day put on that breastplate of righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Stand once again as we sing.
standing as we share God's word together this morning, again from Ephesians chapter 6. Let's review what we've covered so far in the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse 10. Finally, the Lord says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Father, thank you for, thank you for the truth of the armor of God, the protection that you offer us, that you don't call us to stand unprotected or ill-prepared, God, but you equip us and arm us as we need to be. God, I pray your blessings on this time as we speak together and share together, Lord, that we may learn much and be encouraged by your word. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I want to introduce to you today uh, a new thing. It's, uh, it's, it, I'm excited about this. It's got a lot of potential. Um, I want to share with you this, this Advent Bible reading plan. I posted it on Facebook earlier this week. We'll send out an email with some instructions. Um, Monday or so of this week, but for the 25 days of December, from December 1st, which will be Friday, going up through December 25th, we have an opportunity to participate in a shared devotion and Bible reading plan over the time over the season of Advent. Um, to do this, you need to have either a phone or a tablet or a, or a web browser. You don't have to have a smartphone or a tablet, but a web browser will give you access to this. And so, like I said, I will send out email instructions, but I wanted to kind of go over it with you today. What you need to do is go to Bible.com and sign up for an account there. You can use your Facebook if you've got Facebook, or you can sign up with, a, uh, with an email address. Go to Bible.com, or you can download the app from your app store. If you search Bible in the app store, it's one of the first search results that comes up. The icon looks like that, the brown Bible. It says Holy Bible on it. It's published by Life Church. Um, so you can do that, and make sure you set up an account, because it won't let you participate unless you set up an account for this. And what I love about this is that it's a, there's an accountability piece to this. So if you sign up to participate in this, everyone will know whether you actually did the daily reading or not. Uh, I think that's fantastic because, because one of the things we lack in today's church is accountability where we actually hold one another accountable for, for our commitments and, and our spiritual growth. And so if you sign up for this, it will actually tell everyone, not just me or any, it'll, it'll put a check mark beside your name. So you at least have to, if you're going to just be deceitful, you at least have to click through it and, and, and at least deceive us that way. Um, you can't just say, oh yeah, I did it, I read it, it's good. And at the end of each day, there's a little discussion board where you can actually chat back and forth about things that you may have learned, things that you may have picked up, things that you, um, you, you, you thought throughout. The, don't argue on the discussion board. Nobody wants to read. It's not social media where you can vent, argue, and fuss with one another. 
but uh, but just post some thoughts or things, reflections that you may have. Now, to get to the plan, and this is where I'll send an email out, but you can go to this link. I'll leave it up there. Or if you've got a smartphone, you can hold your little camera up in front of that, and it will it will take you directly there. So I'll pause for a moment while everybody takes their camera out and does that. Or you can plug that link in, or I'll send an email out later. This starts on Friday. So... Uh, so you'll zoom in. Hopefully the glare off my head won't cause any issues for your focus there. But this actually begins on Friday. So you have a couple of days to get yourself ready and get psyched up and, uh, and all that stuff. If you're already doing a daily quiet time, that's fine. This is not to replace what you're doing daily. This is to help folks that maybe don't have a plan, uh, don't have a daily kind of devotion. This is to kind of help us as a church to, to connect together over the Advent season and reflect on, on the significance of Jesus' Jesus' birth. So... Uh, so that's what that is, and, and I, like I said, there'll be an email coming where we will talk more about that in the um, in the next couple of days. So, going once, going twice, gone. All right, <clears throat> we have been talking about the armor of God, and I really, in my heart of hearts, had hoped that we could move through these these armor pieces with a little bit of, of speed, because in my plan, I wanted to be done by Christmas. I'm not going to be finished by Christmas. I, I, I fully intended to, to get through this and be finished, and I'm not. We've got a new, uh, a new series that we're going to start in 2018 at some point in time, but it will only be after we give this the treatment that it deserves, and, and I just can't, and the, the preacher inside of me is not okay with rushing through these things so we can finish at a, at a desired time. What I really want to do is give these, give these things the treatment that they deserve. And so while I had every intention at the beginning of the week to talk completely about the, the, the breastplate of righteousness and the, the, the shoes of readiness, when I got through with the breastplate of righteousness, I said, these people are going to leave if I keep going. So, uh, so we're going to stop at a decent time, and you get to come back next week and talk about the shoes of readiness. But well, let's talk about this breastplate of righteousness. Before we get there, I want to just continue to recap the things that we've talked about. We've talked about the fact that the battle that we are facing is a very real battle. It's not always seen, but it's very much a real battle. We've also talked about the fact that our strength is limited, and it will fail. Okay? You may feel strong, you may feel like you are capable of accomplishing great things, and you may be for a season, but I can guarantee you that there will come a season that your strength will fail. This week, we uh, as a church family have lost two, two outstanding saints of God whose strength failed. Um, the good news is their strength is brand new. Uh, it's brand new. But we saw that their earthly strength failed this week, and we will uh, we'll celebrate their lives this week and uh, as we as we say goodbye to them. Our strength is limited, and it will fail. But we understand, according to the Apostle Paul here, is we stand not in our might, not in our strength, but we stand in the Lord's strength. And last week we talked about the fact that the foundational garment to all of this, the foundational piece of the armor of God is the belt of truth. It is the belt of truth that holds everything together. It's the belt of truth that everything else is built on. If you do not have truth, if you do not have an agreement on what is true, if we cannot come together as God's people and say, thus says the Lord, this is the truth, then we've got no way to put the rest on. Because when we begin to understand what truth is, the Bible's very clear with us about, about who we are and what our shortcomings are. The Bible's very clear with us about what our ultimate need is. And we can't possibly comprehend what it means to have on the breastplate of righteousness or the, the helmet of salvation. We can't possibly understand what it means to have our feet shod with readiness in the gospel of peace if we don't have an understanding of what truth is. And so we recognize that the foundational garment of all this, the thing that pieces it all together, the thing that holds it tight, is the belt of truth. The next thing Paul says, though, is to put on the breastplate. I suspect in a soldier's getting ready for battle, he would put his belt on and, and gird his loins, as, as, as the King James tells us to do. And then next in this process would very likely be putting on the breastplate. Well, the breastplate does more than just covers the soldier's chest. 
The breastplate does far more than that. The breastplate protected all of the vital organs in the soldier's torso, from his heart, his lungs, his, his, his guts, and then kidneys and liver. And you think of all the vital organs that are contained in the torso and how, how this breastplate would be there to protect all of that. It's very likely in Paul's time, the centurion's breastplate was already being made from a type of chain mail or a, uh, a kind of a, of a shell type of armor, a scale type of armor. You know what chain mail is if you've watched anything about medieval times or something like that. A knight's chain mail is, is, a, is a tightly woven metal shirt that would not allow for sharp objects to penetrate into it because the mesh of the chain would not allow the penetration of those, of those arrows or the sword tips or things like that. And so it's very likely by Paul's time this was already happening. The Persians had already sort of perfected the, the, ar- the armor made of scales. And so they would use metal scales and build almost like a reptilian skin around the soldier. And so at this point in time, very likely Romans were using either one of those types of technology. Now, to be fair, it would not be very useful for today's technology. They actually tried to use chain mail in World War One. They... they um, they created a, a chainmail type of thing to go over the helmets of the British soldiers, and the soldiers hated it so much, even though the, ma- the mail protected them from shrapnel and things like that, it created such a problem for them to see that they didn't do it. They also found that when they began to use chainmail and bullets were introduced, that the bullet frag- would be fragmented by the chainmail, and then it caused more harm than good. But for Paul's day, this would be a phenomenal type of protection against the conventional weapons of Paul's day, the swords and the arrows. And when you combine this with the belt, the soldier would have been well protected in hand-to-hand combat from his legs to his neck. But I'm going to tell you, if I had on this armor that they're wearing in the shelter that I was sleeping in up in North Georgia, I wouldn't want to sleep there in this armor either. Uh, so, uh, So it wouldn't be sufficient in keeping rats and things like that away. What would happen if you entered into battle without a breastplate? Well, the truth of the matter is you wouldn't last very long. If you tried to enter into battle without a breastplate, you would be vulnerable to every kind of attack, every kind of weapon. One thing we don't think about, it's called the breastplate, but the breastplate also covered the back. And so your entire back would be exposed to attacks from from the enemy. And we know today that a, a torso injury is catastrophic. Even with modern medical advances, uh, you can imagine how many soldiers don't walk off the battlefield when they suffer some sort of torso injury. Think about in those days how deadly a torso injury would be when that injury was inflicted with a sword or an arrow or some sort of blunt force trauma from the conventional weapons of the day. Though not a guarantee against injury, the breastplate did give the soldier his best chance possible to avoid a life-threatening injury to his torso. Just like today's law enforcement officers wear bulletproof vests, I'm sure if you ask any law enforcement officer who's ever been shot, with his bulletproof vest on. He would not like to endure that again because it doesn't feel good. It does at least provide some degree of protection when it is properly worn. Well, the Apostle Paul says the centurion's breastplate, he likens it to righteousness. He likens the centurion's breastplate to righteousness. So in order to understand this, there's two insights that Paul has given to us already before we ever get to the breastplate of righteousness. Pay attention to the language that Paul uses here. This is not our armor that we are wearing. He introduced us here with with things like this, that we are to stand in the strength of his might. He doesn't tell us to stand in the strength of our might. He tells us to stand in the strength of his might. This is not our armor. We don't stand and fight the battle in our own strength because, as we have said over and over again, we know that our strength will eventually fail us. Remember, we are told to put on the armor of God. This is not our armor. These are not our defense mechanisms. This is not about our ability to ward off our enemies. This means that the breastplate that we are told to put on, the breastplate of righteousness, has nothing to do with us and everything to do with the Lord because it's His armor. It belongs to Him. Secondly, because we've already been introduced to the belt of truth, we understand that the foundation of our righteousness that we are to put on is based firmly and totally in truth. It's not about our feelings 
It's not about our opinions. It is based completely, squarely, and firmly on truth. I point these things out because, men and women, if you didn't realize this, we have a dangerous tendency towards self-righteousness. We have a dangerous tendency towards self-righteousness. What exactly is self-righteousness? Self-righteousness is the idea that we can somehow or another generate within ourselves a righteousness that will somehow be acceptable to God. See, we know the Bible teaches contrary. We know the Bible teaches very much against self-righteousness. It goes against what God has told us. But we still find ourselves drifting in that direction. In Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14, we see Jesus telling us a parable. It says that uh, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. In other words, this is a parable that Jesus shared with self-righteous people. And as people who have a tendency towards self-righteousness, we would be wise to pay attention to the words that Jesus is about to speak. He says, two men went up into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thusly, God, I thank you that I am not like other men. I'm not an extortioner or unjust or an adulterer or even like this tax collector standing right here before you. The Pharisee continued, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven. Instead, beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Paul reminds us in Romans Chapter 3, verse 10, there is no one righteous, no, not one. And as B.J. reminded us last week in the children's sermon, our very best attempts at righteousness are nothing better than filthy garments before a holy God. That's, that's all we've got. That's the best we can come up with. That's the best we can muster is our best before a holy God is nothing but filthy, stained garments. And so I have to constantly be on guard that I don't put on the armor of Brian instead of the armor of God. You see what happens if I put on the armor of Brian, then I might as well be be wearing a ratty old undershirt instead of a well-crafted breastplate. I might as well be going into battle completely uncovered, completely vulnerable to attacks, rather than wearing that which has been perfectly crafted to cover me exactly as it should. My best attempt at righteousness falls infinitely short of God's standard of righteousness. Listen to that. My best attempt at righteousness, my best attempt at righteousness comes up dangerously short to God's perfect standard of righteousness. So instead, God has done something incredible. He's made us a very compelling offer in Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, really sums up what this looks like. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, He made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Theologians have long called this the great exchange. In the great exchange, God lays our sins on Christ and punishes him in our sin. And in Christ's obedient death, God fulfills and vindicates his righteousness and he imputes that righteousness to us. That is called the great exchange. Our sin on Christ, His righteousness on us. Listen, I am in no way, I am in no way, nor will I ever be in any way able to earn God's approval. 
I, mean, I can't do it. And I will never be able to do it. I can never go before the Lord and say, look what I've accomplished, God. Look what I've done. Does this not earn your approval? Does this not earn your favor? No, because the Bible says my very best is not enough. My very best is insufficient. And here's the thing. We don't talk enough about this today. Because we're worried about being judgmental or offending. But if we are honest, we recognize that our sin runs far too deep. You see, this is where the belt of truth comes in very handy. The belt of truth reminds us of what our reality is. The belt of truth tells us that we have a major problem. You see, it would be easy if sin only manifested with our actions. Wouldn't that be amazing? If you could just control your actions and then control the sin problem. But the reality is, is that sin doesn't just manifest in our actions. It doesn't just manifest in the things that we do, the words that we say, the places that we go. Sin doesn't just manifest in our actions because sin runs way down deep into the very root of our thoughts and into the very seat of our motives. We can sin by doing good things for the wrong reason. We can sin with, with at the very core of who we are. We can present the world with a long list of good deeds, but at the very root of those good deeds is a self-centeredness and a selfishness that manifests itself in all of us. That's what the belt of truth tells us. We may be capable of doing some good things, but if you dig around deep in the spiritual dynamics of our good, you will find things like pride and selfish ambition. Virtually guaranteed. And don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for people who do good things. I'm thankful that there are people who, who build houses for people in need or do good things for the homeless. I'm thankful for the good that gets done. But listen to me very carefully. Those good things do not overcome our great spiritual deficiency. Those good things do not overcome our great need. And the, the reality is this. If you take the belt of truth and understand what God has said is true, you could take all of the good things done in the last 100 years. You could combine all of those good things, hold them in front of God's holiness, and it's still just a pile of filthy rags. All the good that's been done for a century Still is just a pile of filthy rags before a holy God. You can take all of the good things done by men over the course of human history, credit it to one person, present that one person to the Lord, and God would still say, this does not earn you one ounce of righteousness that you need to enter into my presence. Think about that. All. All of our righteousness is like filthy rags. All of it. You see, without truth, we're inclined to think thoughts that aren't very helpful. We, we forget that the Bible used words that really do matter. Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. We have all become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous deeds are like a filthy rag. We all fade like a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind take us away. Romans chapter 3 verse 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So how do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? Because I'd rather stand in the righteousness of Jesus than stand in my filthy, dirty t-shirt, wouldn't you? I'd rather stand in that handcrafted, well-designed well armor than the best efforts that I've got. So how do we put on the breastplate of righteousness? First of all, you need to make sure that you're born again. You make sure that you're born again. There are many in this room who would claim to be a Christian, but the reality is, is that there are many who've never been born again. You've simply never been born again. You've never 
put your faith and trust in Jesus alone for salvation, you're still depending on your own goodness, on your own works, on your own ability. You are trusting in self instead of trusting in Jesus. If you stood before the Lord one day and He said, why should I let you in? You would present Him with a list of works. And your list of works are inadequate. They are insufficient. They will not pass the test. The only answer that we can give on that day that we are held to account is to plead the blood of Jesus. That we stand in His righteousness, not our own. That's it. There are many who are hoping that their list of accomplishments, that they're good, will get them some merit before the Lord. And the fact of the matter is it won't happen. You're hoping that on the day of judgment that your spiritual resume is sufficient to overcome your own sinfulness and that God will let you into His kingdom on the basis of your accomplishments. But you've got a problem with your thought process. It doesn't line up with a belt of truth. You've put your hope in the impossible. Pastor, it's impossible for, for me to, to get into heaven on the basis of my goodness? Impossible. Why is it impossible? Because you are hoping that God is unjust. You are hoping that God is unjust. Because it would be unjust for God to violate His Word to make exception for you. It would be unjust for God to violate His Word to make exception for you. God has warned you through His Word about the consequences of sin, unbelief, and empty religious works. God has made provision for you by providing a substitute for you in Jesus. And God has made an offer for you to exchange your sin for His righteousness through Jesus' shed blood. And anything else is unacceptable. Any other outcome is unjust. Any other outcome goes against the truth that God has shared with us. If you remain in your current spiritual condition, you will never be able to put on the breastplate of righteousness because on your very best day, you are unrighteous to the core and your only hope of righteousness is that God would grant you His and the only way God grants you His righteousness is through Jesus. That's it. Any other outcome is impossible. If you're a Christian, then I've got good news for you. You have access to the breastplate of righteousness. And so what we have to be on guard against is protecting ourselves and our own self-righteousness. That, that we go to battle feeling good about our dirty t-shirt and not standing in the chain mail armor that God has given us of His righteousness. To do this, we have to be humble. We have to approach our spiritual life with genuine humility. We cannot approach our lives like we've got it all figured out. If you walk into this life like you've got all your spiritual ducks in a row, that you've got everything figured out, you might as well wave a big target above your head to Satan that says, shoot me first. I am vulnerable. I have no armor on. I am dressed in my own self-righteousness, and I am ready to be assaulted and attacked and left for dead on the battlefield. You have to approach life with genuine humility. You don't have it all figured out. The cry of our hearts should be like that old hymn. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. That's got to be the cry of our hearts. I need thee. I need thee. Every hour, I need thee. Keeping on the breastplate of righteousness means that our lives need to be lived mindful of the pursuits that satisfy and fulfill us. See, we can take that breastplate off. Remember, the armor is something we put on. It's, it's things that we, we have to acknowledge and, and, and put on throughout our day. And we can go through life. We can, we can take off that breastplate of righteousness. What do we do? How do we do that? Well, we start pursuing things that aren't righteous. That's a real quick way to do it. 
We start pursuing our things in our lives that, that don't honor the Lord, that, that make much of us, but don't make much of Jesus. You think about what Jesus said in the Beatitudes. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for what? For righteousness. They shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What does your life look like if you are hungering and thirsting for righteousness? Well, you have a lot more internal conversations before you make choices, don't you? Is this a righteous choice? Is this a direction that I should go? Is this a place for my life that will give honor and glory to Jesus, that will point people back to Jesus? You will have conversations with yourself about the choices that you make. Do they honor the Lord or not? One chapter over in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. So if you want to keep that breastplate of righteousness on, then live lives pursuing righteousness. Not pursuing self-righteousness. Not pursuing uh, things to make, make yourself great, but things that make God great. Things that, that point people to the Lord. Things that make people know who Jesus is. Things like John the Baptist did. So you can look at me, but I'm going to tell you there's somebody better right over my shoulder that you need to be paying attention to. Uh, there, there's somebody I'm not worthy of, of untying his shoes. You need to be looking at Jesus. That's how we keep that breastplate of righteousness on. We point our children in the direction of Jesus. We point our co-workers in the direction of Jesus. We point those in our lives in the direction of Jesus. We point them past us and to Jesus. I, I love how the prophet Isaiah words this. In Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10, the prophet looks forward to a day when God's people would reap the blessing of being clothed in righteousness. He says in verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord, and my soul shall exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And as a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, for as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all nations. Isaiah looked forward to a day and. Men and women, I believe we're living in the day when Isaiah's vision can be fulfilled. When the church of the Lord Jesus Christ takes the next step in the armor and puts on the feet, the shoes of readiness for the gospel of peace, that we would be vigilant and adamant about taking the good news of Jesus to the ends of the earth. That we would be adamant about pursuing righteousness as the people of God. That our desire would, would be that Jesus would be glorified in our lives. When we do that, I think we're living in a time when Isaiah's vision could be fulfilled of a day where righteousness sprouts before nations. Well, here's a question. You have on the breastplate of righteousness? Do you even have access to it? As I said earlier, there are some in the room today who don't even have access to it. You're hoping in your own self-righteousness to get you right before God, and you are asking the impossible. If you have the breastplate of righteousness, are you putting it on daily? Seeking to pursue godliness in your day-to-day -day life? Seeking to point other people to Jesus? Are you seeking the Lord, pursuing His righteousness? Or do you have the, the audacity to go out in the battlefield in your own filthy armor of self-righteousness? I don't know where you stand today. But I know where I want to stand. And that's in the strength of my God. Would you pray with me, please? Father, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for the righteousness of Jesus, which has been given to us through the cross. God, I pray that if there is any today who's under the sound of my voice who have not given their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, that today they would recognize that their own attempt at righteousness is insufficient, that they will never earn your favor on the basis of their goodness. But that, God, there is a great promise offered to them 
to exchange their sinfulness for your righteousness. And there's a, a transaction that takes place at salvation. God, I pray that there might be one here today who's ready to make that transaction. God, help us daily to put on the breastplate of righteousness, to guard our hearts against the attacks of the enemy, and that we, we would lay aside any effort to stand in our own merit and our own might. We stand in the strength of Jesus. And we pray in His name as well. Amen. We're going to stand together and have a time of invitation. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, today is a day of salvation for you. You can make that decision. You can see that transaction take place today as you put your faith and trust in Christ alone for salvation and you take access to that armor of righteousness. We're going to stand together and sing and you respond as the Lord would lead. Hear the heart like Jesus by his presence all divine, true and tender, pure and precious. Oh, how blessed to call him mine! All that thrills my soul is Jesus, he is more than life to me. Blessed Lord, I see love of Christ so freely given, grace of God beyond degree, mercy higher than the heaven, deeper than the deepest sea. All that thrills my soul is Jesus. Life to me, I'm the fairest of ten thousand. In my blessed Lord, I see. You guys be seated for just a minute. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, um, we lost a couple of couple of great saints this uh, this week with uh, Becky Holder and Jimmy Stroud. Uh, Becky passed away last Sunday. And uh, her visitation was Wednesday night. Her funeral will be Thursday here at Northside, uh, starting at starting at 11 a.m. on the Thursday morning. So if you're able to come and be part of that, we'd love for you to uh, to be here um, for that. Uh, Jimmy passed away on Friday, um, which was a um, I don't know that anybody was expecting that because he was doing doing okay, but uh, they think his cancer may have uh, may have spread and had. Uh, affected some other things, and so he uh, he really went downhill uh, the last couple of days before he passed away. And so um, so Jimmy Stroud passed away, um, baptized Jimmy four years ago, gave his life to the Lord, and uh, and uh, he uh, Lord Lord sustained him, and uh, that's uh, that's something else. Uh, his visitation will be Tuesday from one to three here, and the funeral will be at three here on Tuesday. So. Um, so we'll send an email out with that information with Pat's address and everything so you can send her some cards of encouragement. But um, um, pray for the Strouds. And uh, and Becky doesn't have a lot of family, uh, close family, but uh, she does have have a little bit of family. So you guys pray for Becky's family as well. Uh, I'm going to ask the, the blacks to stand up here with me, Donna and Matt and Isaac. Ansley is uh, is back there playing shy just a little bit. So... Uh, um, so, but we're gonna we're gonna take care of uh, of Donna and Matt and Isaac. Uh, they're ready to make this their church home, and uh, all have been baptized and uh, are moving their letter from a sister congregation. Uh, so, if you rejoice with me in receiving the uh, the black the black family here, uh, would you let that be known by saying Amen? Nancy's yeah. not yet been baptized. We're gonna work on that though, and uh, and she'll be up here. She'll be up here before you know it. So. Uh, so nobody's opposed to that. So we welcome you guys and are, are thankful to have you guys here as part of our part of our church. And they've already found places to plug in and serve. And so we're excited to have have the blacks with us here at Northside. Let's stand together, and uh, you guys be sure to come by and and love on the blacks. And uh, Trip Stedham, if you don't mind coming up and dismissing us in prayer, you guys stay put right here while everybody comes by and shakes your hand. Let's pray. So Lord, we're just thankful for your armor that we can put on. It's yours and not ours, because only through your strength can all this be done. As you watch up and protect us, in Jesus' name, amen.